<laughs> George Patrick, inspiration for the nation. We are here with Dr. Ofrana Reed. He is the chief medical officer of Syracuse Community Health. And it's Heart Healthy Month, Doc. What are some things we need to know to keep our heart healthy? Well, some of the things we gotta know to keep the health um, healthy is understanding what causes it, um, risk factors of cardiovascular disease. One is high cholesterol, diabetes, hypertension, tobacco, and a sedentary lifestyle. So well, we number one, we have to get up and move. And when I say get up and move, I mean, I don't mean go join a gym, but some people don't have the funds to do so, but I mean like getting up, walking 15 minutes away from my house, 15 minutes back, just 30 minutes. Goals to kind of try to reach an hour a day of getting up and moving um, outside your normal activities. That's number one. Number two is a low cholesterol diet. Number, number three is how to you know, prevent something from diabetes. And then number four is going to be um, tobacco cessation if you smoke. Yeah, that's really important. And I know you went through that pretty quickly, but I think for 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 many of us, uh, these are, you know, there are embedded lifestyle choices that we've made that we grew up with. And it's hard to to break some of those choices. I'm sure you see that with some of the patients that you are seeing at the at the health center, right? That that we come with generations of tradition and some of those some of those traditions are not heart healthy, like fried foods, for example, or, you know, other uh, heavy sweets and things of that nature aren't good factors for heart healthy choices. Agreed. So I think starting off with um, hypertension and low sodium intake, we know that, you know, the average U.S. person should not have more than 2,000 milligrams of sodium per day. And we know that one teaspoon is 2,000 milligrams of sodium. So a lot of times people sprinkle salt on their food, not realizing that they probably have overdone it. And that causes sodium retention, which is means sodium keep, keep water in the body and blood pressure goes up. That leads to cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, as well as heart failure. You know, it's interesting because my daughter, she likes to get a, a certain sandwich from a certain place, uh, one of these fast food places. And she said, you know, afterwards, can you feel... She says, I feel like I have to drink water because I can feel the amount of salt that I that I've taken into my body. Can you tell immediately that you've consumed too much sodium after eating something? Do you, is there an immediate impact on your body? Definitely. You can feel sometimes um, patients who actually have like, let's say, Chinese food. Um, after they finish eating it, they get thirsty because all that sodium intake, sodium, sodium actually binds to the water. And so it's pretty much, you know, binds to the water, which makes you use the bathroom, but you feel thirsty. Some people actually get swelling, swelling of the hands. They feel like their hands are tight from sodium retention. So yes, you can. You can tell. Um, and so, and so, and they have a menu that says you can do this and do that if you're ordering a takeout of that nature. But a lot of times, uh, let's talk staying on sodium. What's the impact of not regulating your sodium intake aside from hypertension? Let's go all the way down the road with that. All right. So I think the impact is that you have sodium, um, sodium, sodium retention, these are hypertension. Hypertension can lead to a stroke, heart attack, kidney failure, and heart failure. Now, heart failure is this. Heart failure is when the outside of the heart gets big and inside gets small, and all the sodium water you retain can't keep up, so it backs up into the lungs. It leads you because it causes heart failure. Sometimes you'll see people who have a swelling of the lower lower legs, swollen, 
that's all back up a fluid because the heart can't keep up because too much sodium uh, retention from someone with a heart failure. And also could lead to kidney failure. Yes. So what happens in that situation is when you have sodium retention, high blood pressure for a long period of time, hypertension can cause constriction of the arteries in the kidneys, decrease in blood flow, and that can also affect the kidneys. Um, you know, you be talking about, I don't know if you know this, and we haven't talked about this ahead of time, but I'm thinking about the player for Buffalo, DeMar Hamlin, whose heart stopped on the field. Uh, what do you know about that, if anything? Yeah, I don't really know much about it. I know that during, um, during the game, he um, actually had a syncopal episode where he passed out, and he had some type of cardiac arrhythmia. And at one point, what we call assistantly, his heart stopped. It was a flat line. And they had used um, devices there to actually, um, you know, fibrillate his heart again. So I know that there's cardiovascular, some there's hypertension can cause arrhythmias as well as cardiovascular disease uh, can cause arrhythmias too. But I'm not sure exactly the details of his situation. Right. No, I just thought of that because um, of the miracle recovery um, that he's experienced, um, and 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 how he is uh, actually become. I believe he's working with the American Heart Association to uh, bring awareness to cardiovascular health, which is what February is, which is why we're talking to Dr. Ofrana Reed, who's the chief medical officer at the Syracuse Community Health, uh, about uh, making heart healthy choices. Um, I'm concerned, particularly in our community, I'm just going to say the Black community, my community, if you will, about uh, making sure that we get this information, because when you look at the data, it seems like we're adversely impacted in every one of those categories that you talked about, whether it's hypertension, whether it's uh, cardiovascular, whether whether it's um, uh, stroke. It seems like we're well represented on the other side of that. So why is this important for us right now? It's important because I think it's, as you know, the prevalence of hypertension in you know in black men is fifty eight percent, which is considered high. If you look at the prevalence of diabetes in blacks, um, it's ten percent. I mean, the Native Americans is 14.6%, but we're actually 10%. Um, so it's pretty um, second highest. Um, if you look at, um, you know, cardiovascular disease in the African-American patient population, we're actually pretty high um, compared to other ethnicities. So I think it's important for us to understand what, okay, what does all this mean? Well, when we say cardiovascular disease, we're, we're thinking about, talking about such as like hypertension, um, high cholesterol, which I mentioned, obesity, diabetes. And the thing about diabetes is that I don't know when you were younger, but when I was younger, we used to, we, was, we was kind of poor, so we we couldn't afford Kool Aid, so we used to drink sugar water, and so we would get some water and put sugar in it, and the more sugar you put, the thicker it would get. Well, I tell I tell patients all the time: if you're diabetic, you're non-diabetic, and you're putting all the sugar, you're drinking all the soda and juice, all you do is putting sugar into your blood. You're making it so thick that that can lead to a heart attack. Someone who has a cholesterol problem, and you know that means that. You have good cholesterol, you have bad cholesterol. The LDL cholesterol is the bad cholesterol. The ACL is the good cholesterol. The LDL cholesterol, why we call it the bad cholesterol? Because it's very sticky, very, mm -hmm. very sticky. And it binds to the arteries in the heart, the brain, and also in the kidneys, leading to those problems that we mentioned earlier. So one of the things that we could do is eat healthier. So what foods should we avoid for heart to make heart healthier choices? I think that we got to do everything in moderation. I think you should avoid too many fried foods. Um, you got to think about things like cheese and sweets, like, you know, uh, too much um, soda and um, cake, um, things of that nature. I think that we all can have these things in moderation. 
Um, but we really got to be careful of overindulging in it. And I know that in our community, people can't really afford, um, you know, healthy food. So they may go to the store and pick up a bag of chips and a soda. Um, that's just that's just the way it really is. But if you think about it, that's not really a true healthy meal. And so I think, you know, eating healthy of, of making wise choices um, and, and having access to produce and, and, and things of those natures and fruits um, would be the best way to go. Um, I think as an organization, our goal is to try to, um, you know, collaborate with places in the community, such as the Brady Market, to allow some type of, of stipend or some type of, of uh, voucher where they can actually get healthy food. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, that that's really important. All right, so what do you eat and what do you tell your patients to eat? Right. So I eat, you know, I try to have a, a balanced meal. Um, the recommended dose for fruit is usually two cups a day. The American, the average American person has like 1.5 cups a day. Actually, less than one. Vegetables is 1.5, but the recommended dose is three cups a day. So I try to have my fruits, balanced fruits and vegetables, drink a lot of water. I don't really drink soda at all. Very rare I drink soda. Um, I try to you know make healthy choices. You know, sometimes when I go out to eat, I have a choice. I can choose a healthy menu. A uh, uh, healthy order, I can choose a non-healthy order. So I really try to be intentional about what I eat and what comes into me. I do also try to move around a lot, um, you know, and those 15 minutes away, 15 minutes back, and really get myself going, um, which helps me keep my weight down, of course. And what do you tell your patients? Same thing? So my patients, same thing. I think I got to be realistic. I got to understand what they can do and what they can't do. So my expectations got to understand that the patient may not be able to do what I can do. So I first learned, okay, what what can you do and what do you do? And I try to help them um, in that way as far as, okay, well, choose, instead of buying chips and soda, let's do the math. How much does that cost you? All right. Instead, could you have, you know, you know what this instead? Because, I, you know, we know how much tomatoes cost. We know how much cucumbers cost. Sometimes it's really letting them see that you just paid $20 for this, but you could spend $20 on this is healthier. And I think educating them about how to spend their money um, it has been rewarding because some patients actually do. It's like a it's like a rude awakening to them. Like, well, I didn't think about it that way. You know, you spend twenty dollars on this. Guess what? This costs that. So, and 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 there's some other things that people can do for heart health. For example, example would be um, I guess you know I, again I spoke exercise, diet, and weight loss. We know that patients who do all three of those things decrease their cardiovascular risk. Um, death and disability. What about smoking cessation? Smoking cessation is especially a big one for me because we know one of the greatest risk factors of cardiovascular disease is actually tobacco use, smoking, cigarettes. And that's the leading preventable um, disease, such as disability, death, and disease, smoking. So if you stop smoking, we know that after 15 years, your lungs will look similar to someone who didn't smoke. So because it's the significant risk factor for cardiovascular disease, that's something that I really stress in my patients of trying to figure out how do I help them to stop you know, smoking. Now, understand a lot of people who go through stress, anxiety, or depression, they usually turn to cigarettes to help cope. And we know that anxiety, depression um, are risk factors or, or, or out, poor outcomes for cardiovascular um, healing. And family history, right? That also plays a factor. Oh, definitely. Family history, especially in, so if a man has a, a heart attack before the age of 55 or a female before 65, that's a, that's that's called premature coronary artery disease. That's usually somehow congenital, either mother or father had it young. That's definitely a risk factor. 
And um, I was just thinking about um, all of those things in terms of how we make better choices as a, a community, uh, especially uh, since these factors impact Black communities uh, in a significantly higher way. Great. Definitely. Because you look at cardiovascular disease, we know that 14.6% of patients um, are Amer American Indian, and then 10% are actually Black. And I mentioned before earlier regarding the prevalence of hypertension in the, in the Black community, Black men are 58%. Um, and diabetes, you can see that the African Americans are also high. Now, the Native Americans are actually higher when it comes to diabetes prevalence than the African Americans, but um, we're second. And prediabetes is also something that we got to look at. Yeah, definitely. So, prediabetes is um, what we do is that when we do check for someone who has diabetes, we order something called a hemoglobin A1C. What that means is that our red blood cells in our body um, also binds to glucose, which is we, we call it sugar. And we measure that indirectly, hemoglobin A1C. Now the normal range is less than 5.7. So 5.7 to 6.4 is pre-diabetes. 6.5 and greater is diabetes. So what we see now, we see an increase in pre-diabetes because now we're screening. And, and sleep, let's talk about the impact of sleep and not getting enough of that and how that might influence your cardiovascular health. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have problems, you know, issues with sleep, especially sleep deprivation, it affects your body. It affects the catecholamines in your body. Catecholamines affects the, the blood vessels in your body, which is called high blood pressure. So sleep can cause delirium, mental stress, mental depression, because when your body doesn't feel rested, what do you feel? You feel depressed, you feel down, um, irritable. That leads to elevated blood pressure. Elevated blood pressure for long periods of time leads to other problems such as heart disease, kidney disease. Stroke. Anything else we need to know about cardiovascular health? No, I just think it's a very, very important to make better decisions when you're spending your money. You got to make sure you add up what you're buying and cannot buy something even the same amount, but healthier. Yeah. And you have nutritionists on staff that can help uh, patients there look at that. Yes, we have nutritionists um, and all our patients who have diabetes, cholesterol, um, and hypertension, I'll refer to her, and she does an excellent job with them. All right, uh, Dr. Fernand Weed, Chief Medical Officer at Syracuse Community Health, uh, and uh, they're a partner with Inspiration for the Nation. So glad uh, to 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 have you on the program to to talk about being heart healthy. Thanks for having me. Inspiration for the Nation. Mm -hmm.